Alrighty. So we've been, um, as we've been leading up to Christmas, we've been kind of looking at some of the purpose and the effects and what happens and why Jesus came at Christmas and, and, and what, is, what is the reason for the season, to put it in nice American language. So why, why do we celebrate Christmas? And, you know, what happens around Christmas? And, and what is it that is so special about this baby that came at this, you know, in a random place in the middle of nowhere kind of thing? And what, how, what effect does that have on us? If you've got your Bibles with you, I'd encourage you to turn over to Romans chapter 10, or you can click on over there in your devices. Sorry, Romans chapter 15, verses 10 to 13. We're going to read Romans 15. If you don't have a Bible, Bob, you can grab one at the back. Um, there's English, Afrikaans, Zulu, and kids' Bibles, if you want. Okay, good. So, if you've got your, if you've got it on your device, you can also click on over there, Kerry. Um, and it's Romans chapter 15. Romans 15 is Paul's, letters to the, is Paul's letter to the church in Rome. He hadn't been to that church, and he wrote them a letter in anticipation of his going there. And Paul deals, one of the, one of the big issues Paul deals with in the Roman church is the separation between the Jews and the Gentiles in that church. So what had happened is, um, yeah, so there was, there was a split in that church. The Jews, uh, one of the um, Roman emperors had kicked the Jews out of Rome for a season and then they came back and they were part of the church and there were like these divisions between who were the real Christians and who were, who were the, the Israelites what they were and the Gentiles were like, no, we are and God's forgotten you and he's and so Paul deals a lot in Romans with division between these two groups, the Jews and the Gentiles. The one of the beautiful, and, and this has been a favorite verse of mine for the last few months. And if you were at Rob Kirkwood's memorial on Thursday, I read this part of this um, passage out there as well. And it's just, it's the last verse in this 1513. And it is, for me, it's one of the most beautiful verses in the Bible. And we'll get there now. But from verse 10, Paul writes this. He says, again, it says, rejoice you Gentiles with his people. Paul quoting Deuteronomy 32, 43. And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles. Let all the peoples extol him. Paul quoting Psalm 117, verse 1. And again, Isaiah says, the root of Jesse, and that's Jesus, will spring up, one who will arise to rule over the nations. In him, the Gentiles will hope. Paul quoting Isaiah 52, 15. And I love that because what Paul does in those three quotes there is he is saying that the Gentiles being included in the salvation of God, the reason for Jesus coming is not just for the Jews. It is for us, Gentiles. Unless anybody born, born Jewish? Not. Okay. So it is all of us can be happy because of those three quotes. And there's more in the Old Testament. But Paul here quotes those three to show that God's heart was always for all, all people. He used the Jews and he wanted the Israelite nation to be the example and to be the light that drew people into him and he chose them to be his representatives. But his heart is for all nations. And that is good news for us because we were then included in that thing. And Paul then goes on to write to this church in Rome. He says, and this is my favorite verse, he says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Hey man, who doesn't want to be a person? Have you, have you ever been around a person who just overflows with hope? Have you ever been around that person who like, it just, they just seem like nothing gets them down. And no matter what they face, they just, 
Hope rolls out of them. Who are you pointing at, Mike? Alex? Yeah. Alex Domlio. And Sharon pointed to her. Oh, you've got you to hear something that's being said this morning. But at, you know, when you're around someone and that hope just overflows, it's, it's such a beautiful thing. And it is so encouraging to us. And it is so like you want to be around that person. You want to almost go and just, just be in the conversation with them and just sort of stand next to them and hope it kind of spills on me a little bit. Like, I want some of what you've got. And that is such a beautiful thing. But that thing, that hope that overflows by the power of the Spirit comes from the God of hope. Now, when we, when we think of hope, we might think, you know, sometimes we have this hope in our sort of common language, the vernacular, we, we use it where, where hope is something indefinite. Like it's something very fragile and kind of iffy. And it's like pie in the sky. Like yesterday, we hoped we would win the cricket. But we didn't. We sometimes, we hope we're going to win the lotto when we buy a ticket. Hopefully you don't. But that's the kind of hope that the world has. That's the kind of hope that we use in our, in our everyday language. It's an uncertain thing. It's like, man, I hope it doesn't rain on my wedding day. Well, you don't know, do you? It's just like it's this thing that you're kind of hoping for. Some of you are like, man, I hope I pass my exams. But that's not the secure hope that God gives us. If you had studied and you knew, you would be sure in your hope. And that would be a biblical hope that you would pass your exam. So that's how you get biblical hope when you're studying, guys. So just while the students are home for the holidays. But, but our hope, a, a biblical concept of hope is far different from that. The biblical concept of hope that we are talking about here is not this hope that like, you are really, like I hope Jesus comes back. You're unsure. There's this uncertainty about it. That's not, what the, that's not the biblical concept of hope that Paul is referring to here. The word is used like that a few times in the scripture, but that's not the concept that is often conveyed with hope. And so at Christmas time as we come, this is one of the main things that we get to hold on to as Christians. Because our God came down to be with us. The infinite came down to be intimate with us. God came to be present with us. And that gives us hope. Because we know that God wants to be with us. And that is a beautiful thing. It is not that God is going, man, follow these rules and you might one day get to me. Have you ever found the, the rules in the Old Testament, the Ten Commandments and the 614 other ordinances? Have you ever found them hard to follow? The point being is that you can't. If you thought you had the Ten Commandments done, Jesus comes in the Sermon on the Mount and kind of reframes how they look. And he's like, not even, it's not about just the physical act of murdering. Like, if you are hateful, then you have committed that already. And so you kind of, you get this thing and you go, well, there's no hope then. But the point being is that the, the, the point of that is that so that it should lead you to Jesus. So go, my hope is in you, Jesus. I can't. My own strength, I cannot. My hope is that Jesus came. At Christmas, the very reason for Christmas and the, the very thing that Jesus comes and instills in us is hope. Hope for our many things. I'm going to get ahead of myself. But the basic concept of hope biblically is linked with four things. One is love, and I'm not going to touch on that because that is a massive concept, but hope is rooted in love, in the love of God. It is there, and you'll see it now in one of the first scriptures we're going to read. So, the other three that it is rooted in are faith, trust, and expectation, but faith. So, the basic concept of hope linked to faith. Now, many of you will know um, the, the Hebrew scripture, but 1 Corinthians 13, 3 says it like this. He says, Paul writing, he says, now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. 
Faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love, he goes on to say. But love, I mean, faith and hope, they're inextricably linked. And Hebrews 11, verse 1, that great scripture on faith, I'm sure many of you have heard it before. It says, now faith is being sure of what we hope for. You see how they're linked? Faith is sure of what we hope for. Our faith is based on hope. But if that hope is a soft, like, in, like unsure hope, then your faith is going to be there. But if you've got the certain hope, then your faith is going to be secure. So that's the first thing that, that hope is linked with, is faith. The second thing is trust. Again, hope and trust are linked together. Psalm 33, verses 20 to 21 Parts of it read like this. It says, we wait in hope, for we trust in his holy name. The reason that we can have hope is because we trust in God. And so our hope is based in God, in who he is. Not in, is it going to happen? Our faith is in the character and the nature of God. I mean, our, our hope. And then Romans 15, 13, what we've just read. It says that we will be filled... Uh, fill you with may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him hope and faith and trust are linked together and the third thing is expectation you see the, the first two faith and trust we can get those two with hope because they're very similar concepts to most of us and they're linked they are to a very large degree linked in the biblical concept faith trust and hope but the expectation is something that we miss sometimes in our hope but a sure hope expects that thing i used to i'm going to be careful here because it's going to sound like i'm blowing my own horn but i used to i used to enjoy playing basketball at school and i was okay i was pretty good and i had the expectation that i could beat anybody i played against i didn't i didn't beat everybody there were other guys that were better than me but there were i had the expectation that i could beat them maybe that's my own stupid red top a personality that comes across where it's just arrogant but God has worked on me on that and humbled me by bringing me back to playing cricket. And I no longer have that expectation. But our hope should have an expectation. Where there is hope, we are expecting something. And that's the difference, the main difference between the worldly concept of hope that says, gee, I hope it's going to happen. I hope I get some nice things for Christmas. And a, and a biblical concept of hope that says, my hope is in the return of Christ. My hope is in the coming incarnation, death, resurrection, and return of Christ. Romans 4, 18, 19, Paul says, Abraham in hope believed. It's incredible. His belief was based on hope. In what God had promised him, he believed because he had hope in God. He expected God to act. He, Abraham expected God to act on his promises. There was an expectation that led to Abraham living out his life in a certain way. The hope that Abraham had led to him living out an expected life. Titus chapter 1 verse 2, in the very greeting that Paul has to, to Titus, he says, it's a faith and knowledge resting on the hope of eternal life, which God, who does not lie, promised from the beginning of time. Faith and knowledge resting on the hope of eternal life. Faith, trust, and expectation. What expectation does when we have expectation in our hope is that it leads us to living a life of hope that is active. You see, many of us think that hope is something that we hope for and then we sit back and we just wait for it to happen. 
And we're like, well, I hope I'm going to get, name what you want. I hope my spouse is going to do the right things. I hope my kids are going to grow up well. I hope I'm going to. But hope that is based in faith and trust and expectation is active. It is a hope that lives out. It's not a sit back and wait for something to happen. It seems like a, a contradictory paradox where, where you're like, yeah, but if you really hope, if you really had faith, you would, you would let God do it. Yes, that's true. It is God who does it, but sometimes he uses us in that moment. And so a hope that is biblical and that is based in faith and trust and expectation of God is active. It works. It looks like something. Our hope must be lived out. If we are hoping in the return of Christ, then we should be acting out. Now, a couple of questions. Where is our hope? What are we hoping for? And what does hope enable us to do? So where is our hope? If you want to know where your hope is, if you want to know where your, your hope, that, that true trust and, and expectation that you have, if you want to know where that lies, have a look at when you have the biggest wobblies in your life. You know those moments where you think the ground is shaking and the sky is falling, chicken little, and it's gonna, I'm going to die? In those moments of life, what is it that is being shaken that is causing you to panic like that? What is it that is shaken that is causing us to have anxiety or to go into these depression moods or to, to struggle and to get angry and to lash? What is it that is being shaken because that is the thing that we are putting our hope in? The world puts its hope in many, many different things. Sometimes it might be the economy. Macro or micro. So it might be the global economy or our country's economy. It might be my own personal budget and economy. And as soon as those things are shaken, as soon as those things start to collapse and fall, man, everybody panic and run. The sky is falling. And it is. There's a run on the markets. The banks collapse. The, because that's where the hope is. Maybe your hope is in politicians. And every five, four or five years when elections roll around, you get a world falls apart because the right politicians didn't get elected into power. Maybe your hope is in immigration. I've got a different colored passport. I've got an option out there, man. Maybe your hope is that one. Man, you should, you should look at that country. That. Maybe your hope is in living somewhere else. You know the problem with that? You're going to be there. <laughs> none of those things are wrong and there's many other things we can keep going into, into where various people and where the, the world puts their hope money is not wrong <coughs> having a budget and being economy and, and being wise with money is not wrong stewarding it well, God calls us to do that voting in politicians and leaders, it's not wrong we need to have leaders in our countries emigrating to another country is not wrong but if that is where your hope is, you're going to be easily shaken and you're going to struggle all the way through your life because those things are not built on a solid foundation that is Christ. And those things will shake and they will fall. They offer no eternal security. They offer only temporary distraction and hope. So, our hope cannot be in the things of this world, whatever it is. Maybe your hope is in your kids. Maybe your hope is in that one day you'll own a white fortuna. Whatever it is. <laughs> if that is, never put your hope in the temporary things of this world. Our hope, for us who believe, friends, 
Where should our hope be? In Jesus. Our hope must be in Jesus. It must. At Christmas time, it's a great time to remember it. But our hope must be in Jesus. Romans 15, 12, Paul quoting Isaiah 52 that we read in the beginning. Why don't you put that first scripture up too? And again, Isaiah says, the root of Jesse will spring up, one who will arise to rule over the nations. In him, the Gentiles will hope. In him, the Gentiles will hope. In him, the Gentiles will hope. That is us, friends. We are the Gentiles, by the way, just to, just to be clear about that. So our hope must be in Jesus. That is where our hope must be. Our hope cannot be in anything temporary. Our hope is not only in Jesus, but it's that God, have you, it's that God fulfills his promises through Jesus. That is the beautiful thing. If you, I want to give you a challenge. Go through, I mean, you can start with just with the Psalms, but if you go through the Old, like the, the Old Testament, and go and it might take you a long time to do this. Take like a green pen or something that you haven't written in with your Bible or highlight a different color and underline the promises of God in the Bible. Underline what he promises. It starts right in the beginning. There's lots in Genesis that go right through there. But you can go through and underline the promises of God. And it is a beautiful thing to look at that and go, that promise is fulfilled in Jesus. That promise is fulfilled in Jesus. That promise is fulfilled in Jesus. It's beautiful. It is a be that is where our hope must lie. It must be in Jesus and in the fact that God fulfills his promises through Jesus. Acts 26.6, Paul standing before King Agrippa. And he says that, Paul makes it clear there. He says, Jesus is the promise that the 12 tribes of Israel were waiting for. So the very thing that the whole Old Testament is about is Jesus. The thing the prophets, the one that the prophets, the Old Testament prophets looked forward to was Jesus. Our hope must be in Jesus Christ and Him alone. So that's where our hope is. What are we hoping for? What are we hoping for? The first thing that we need to hope for is salvation. Our salvation. Now, what does that mean, our salvation? You know, there's a lot of Christians, sometimes we, and I, we use these Christian terms and we, we have varying concepts of them and things like that. But, and this is a big one because it's an important one. But what does it mean to be saved? What is a salvation? What are we, like, what are we saved out of? What are we saved into? Why do we need, I don't, do we need salvation? Jesus coming as God at Christmas is a perfect demonstration that we need, the fact that God had to come means that we could not ascend. We could not go up to him. He had to come down to us. It is, beautiful. It is a wonderful thing. And so Jesus coming at Christmas is the hope of our salvation, that God came. Because I know in me, there is a lot that doesn't belong in God's presence. And yet being washed clean and forgiven by the presence of Jesus and the work of Christ on the cross that has earned my salvation, he has paid for me as a ransom, he has bought me, I get to be with God the Father. I get to be in that place. So our salvation. And that salvation is in, should lead to an ongoing hope. It's a hope that carries on. As Paul says, we are saved, we are being saved, and we will be saved. 
Our salvation is past, present and future. It is something that has happened, it's busy happening and it will happen. There is a fulfillment to our salvation that will happen when we are with Christ. Our salvation and the thing that we hope for to a large extent, and this is more of an Easter message, I'm not going to be too long on this, but is in the resurrection of Jesus. Dietrich Bonhoeffer puts it like this. He says, the fact that Jesus Christ rose from the dead is the sole ground of my hope that I too shall be raised on the last day. Our hope is in the resurrection at the end. That we will be with God. That we will be raised to newness of life with God. That is where our hope is. And that's not like a, your hope is going to happen one day. That is a hope that we know can happen because the word promises it. God promises it in the Bible. He speaks about it over and over. And he says, because Jesus has been resurrected, we too will be resurrected. And Paul writing in that in 1 Corinthians, he said, if our hope is only in this world, if it's only for this life, then we're no better than anybody else. We're no better than the pagans. Our hope is in the resurrection and in the life that is to come there. Our hope, what are we hoping for? An inheritance. We receive an inheritance. Over and over again, we are called the co-heirs with Christ. Brothers with Jesus and sisters. And we get to share in that inheritance. An inheritance that isn't divided the more people that are added to the family. We all get the full inheritance. So you don't have to worry. You can tell other people about Jesus because it's not going to lessen your inheritance. Everybody gets the full inheritance. Our hope is in the inheritance of God. Our hope is in the return of Jesus, the second coming of Christ, another Christmas, almost. Not quite, it'll be a little bit different. But our hope is in the second coming of Christ. 1 Timothy 1.1, He is our hope. Colossians 1.27, Christ in us is the hope of glory. 2 Corinthians 1.20, Jesus is the fulfillment of all of God's promises. And in His return, we will see that fully worked out. Our hope is in the second coming of Christ. Our hope also is in eternal life. Our hope is that we will live for an eternity with God. That we will carry on. And particularly in the light of this week where we've done a, a funeral and a, or a memorial for someone who is in our church. It is a very different thing to do a, a memorial, to be a part of a memorial where there's someone who knew Jesus. And who had a hope in an eternal life than it is to do, do one for someone who is uncertain. Or definitely not. There's two very different vibes that happen at those things. Two very different spirits that you encounter in those moments. Where it's sad and they're both painful. And it's not nice being the ones left behind and we lose the ones we love. But there is a certainty and a hope of a future that is eternal. Yeah. And we will spend an eternity with God in heaven. Together with those who have died in Christ. Our hope must be fully on Jesus. So what does hope enable us to do? So that is, that is where is our hope? That is what are we hoping for? And lastly, what does our hope enable us to do? Because as we said, hope must look like something. It must be an action. It must work out. But it's not just in our own strength that we do those things. It's that, that hope in Christ that actually enables us to live it out. So hope, firstly, enables us to praise God in spite of our circumstances. When we live in hope that God is God and we are not and that He is in control and that Jesus is coming, we get to live with that faith, trust and expectation of a better future. No matter the difficulties and the struggles that we go through, no matter what it is that we are facing, 
we can live with a sure hope that God is in control and that Jesus will come again. John Tyson puts it like this. He says, the, the message of the Bible is that God is breaking into our hatred and violence and strife with hope, restoration, and life. Over and over again. You know, so, sometimes we, and this is, I heard it again in a, in a, in a thing this week. They said, man, you've seen God in the Old Testament. He's so angry, and he's like, you don't believe in me, and I smite you, and you don't believe in me. And it, at a cursory glance, and if you don't really read the Old Testament, it does look like that. It does look like God is angry. But when you read it carefully, if you keep reading those same books, so you see God seems angry, and there is redemption and the promise of restoration and the promise of life that comes. There is always, in the prophets, the redeeming love of God that comes through. If you will turn, I will draw you in. It is a beautiful thing that the message throughout the whole Bible is that God enters into our brokenness like Christ did at Christmas, born into the filth and dirt of a two millennia ago unpleasant feeding trough of animals. Came in that place and chose to be for you and I, chose to be a human, chose to confine himself and chose to be obedient to his parents. I mean, that is an incredible thing, Parenting, Luke chapter 2, verse 51. The child was obedient to his parents. You want to be, I said it at the Christmas carols, and most of you were playing, the kids on the Astro. If you want to be, if kids, if you want to be like Jesus, be obedient to your parents. It's a beautiful thing. Are you listening, Ray? Good. But our hope is in Jesus, in the restoration and the life that he brings for us. And he comes in the midst of our brokenness, in the midst of the troubles and the the difficulties and the pain and the busyness and the chaos of our lives. Jesus comes and brings hope in those situations. He comes as a light in the darkness. And a light in the darkness is an incredible thing. You know that the human eye can see a single match lit at about 800 meters on a dark night. Nearly a kilometer, 800 meters away you can see a match being lit. And that is a tiny little light. But even at the smallest light, darkness flees. And sometimes it might seem like Jesus is far away from you. But I can guarantee you that his light is shining. And if you will keep your hope in him, you will experience his restoration and his life. Hope enables us to rejoice. Hope also enables us to live holy and pure. It enables us to live in a way that honors God and that respects God. It enables us to live lives that demonstrate the hope that we have. It's not a rule-keeping thing. It's not a, it's not a thing of going, man, if I live this way, God will love me. It's a way of going, because of the love of God and because of the hope that I have in the return of Christ, I'm going to live in a way that honors Him. I'm going to live in a way that is obedient to Him. Parents, if you want to be like Jesus, be obedient to Him, just like the kids were. It's not some... You know, the, the, the things that Jesus and that God asks us to do and, and tells us to do in the Bible is not because he wants us to be, like, just be in line and make life easy for him. Sometimes in parenting, we put rules in place to make life easy for ourselves. But God's not like that. God puts the rules and the plans in place for us and he says, I want you to behave like this and live like this and do it. Don't do this because it's bad for you. 
You are going to struggle if you live like this. And you are going to cause other people to struggle if you live like this. Don't do that. It's not good for you. That is why God calls us to that place and calls us to live holy lives. Because it is good for us. And he knows that. Our hope enables us to live in that way. Because if we didn't have hope at the first time we did something that we think is wrong, we're going to give up. We're going to be like, oh, well, I can't do it. It's too hard. I'm done. Tapping out. You guys carry on without me. I'm going to wait here and sulk. But our hope is in Jesus. Our hope is in the, the ongoing forgiveness in our salvation that says, come to me, confess your sins, and you will be forgiven. Hope enables us from that place to persevere, to carry on, to face the difficulties and the trials, and to persevere because we know where our hope is. We know that Jesus is coming back. We're able to persevere. And finally, hope enables us to be anchored. To not be blown around by every wind and change and mood that happens and that we experience. To not be blown around by any economic meltdowns, wars, political changes. Hope enables us to be stable and to be consistent. Whether we face trial or success. Sometimes success destroys people just as much as trial. Hope enables us in the midst of that to remain grounded and humble because we know where it came from. Our success comes only from God. And so hope is like an anchor for our lives so that we are not blown around. And finally, when we live in this place, when we live in a place of hope, we should be, as Romans 15, 13 said, and we read in the beginning, we should be those who are filled with joy and peace. This God of hope fills us with joy and peace so that we can overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Friends, I want to encourage you to spend time with the Holy Spirit, to spend time in that relationship, engaging, building your life with the Holy Spirit, listening to Him, learning from Him, walking with Him, following Him, Because out of that place, by His power, we will overflow with hope. You know, we can can fake it till we make it, or we try, but we're never going to really make it. We can pretend to be full of hope, but that's going to run out eventually. If you've ever tried, you can tough it out for a few hours on a Sunday morning and look cool, but eventually in the week, you're going to struggle. But when we are filled with the Holy Spirit... And when from that place of being filled with the Holy Spirit, full of the joy and the peace of the God of hope, we can overflow with the hope of the Father. And I tell you, it will draw people to Jesus because the world is desperate for hope. Desperate for hope. If you look at the social media storm and the things that that has created around people's lives and the problems, the what people are looking for in that is hope. I hope that somebody will like me hope that somebody will follow me there is this and their hope is placed in the wrong things but it is a sign of a world that is desperate for hope so let us be those who when we go out from here into the mission field of your everyday life that we live as those who overflow with hope have you ever noticed how quickly the conversation turns negative of man it's so bad this happened oh this thing happened hey these people these guys dogs got poisoned this guy's man it's so bad this is kind of petrol price. Escom. 
Be the voice of hope in those situations. Be the voice that says, man, I, I hear you. Those are real problems. We face those. But isn't it beautiful that Jesus, what Jesus can do in those moments? Let us be those who overflow with hope into the lives around us. And as Christmas comes, that's the gift we can give people, is hope in Jesus. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you that you are the God of hope. I thank you that you have sent your son Jesus to fulfill the promises that you have made for your word. And God, I thank you that as we live out this hope in faith, trust, expectation, and in your love, that we would be filled with your Holy Spirit. And from that place, Holy Spirit, that you would overflow out of us the true hope of God, the hope that is based in Jesus, the hope that is based in Jesus coming back, the hope that is based in a God who loves and who is intimate and involved in our lives. A God who is not distant and far off and uninvolved, but a God who is active and loving and cares for us, Lord. Thank you that our hope is secure in you, Jesus. Thank you that our hope is not something that we need to worry about, but it's something that we can be sure of, God. And Father, I pray for those of us where our, where our hope is, has dwindled or our hope has become maybe a bit see-through and pale, that you would make that hope secure again, that you would make that hope vibrant and alive again in us, that you would birth in us again, Holy Spirit, this secure and sure hope in Jesus. Lord, I pray as we go out that we would be those who overflow with your hope, that we'd be those who overflow into our families and our communities of your love, your trust, your faith, and the expectation of your fulfilling of your promises. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Um, Mark, you said a lot about uh, children. Now, I just want to say, so I've been sitting at the back there watching these beautiful children playing as you guys have been listening to Mark speaking about hope. And look at them. Look at them. They've got beautiful hearts on their heads on their fat foreheads. They run around with big smiles on their faces and you know what I thought to myself, please in this season, wear your hope on your face like these children have been doing. Wear your hope on your face where you look at them and you get absolute joy in your heart because they're having such a lovely time and they don't care whether anybody else approves or disapproves. They are absolutely gorgeous and there's another two at the back there but they're not decorated yet. So it just um, what you said, Mark, just encourage them. I mean, encourage you all, please be like the beautiful children and wear your hope on your face and your happiness. This is not a silly season. This is a happy season. So that's what I wanted to say.